Bones are amazing things. They hold us up. They support us. They make us strong. But bones have other uses. In the past, bones were thrown by diviners, seeking out the mysteries of the future. Now the bones are cubes, made of plastic or resin, but they still reveal things to us as they fall from our fingers and rattle across the table. The story becomes clear. Welcome to Bone Thrower's Theater, an RPG actual play podcast. Hello, and thank you for listening to this episode of Bone Thrower's Theater. Today we have another one-shot episode for you. We are going to be playing a game called Cosmic Patrol. My name is Jordan, and I will be the lead narrator for the game. My name is Jeff, and I'm playing Isaac and Delta Zed, Wonder Kid and Robot. My name is Mike, and I'm playing Thogar, a red Amazon. And my name is Jeremy, I'm playing Ken Costigan, a heavy marine. This is Johnny, and I'm playing Keel, a moon man. So if you've kind of taken a cue from the, like the characters and, and everything like that, Cosmic Patrol is a game that pays homage to 1940s, 1950s style space adventure. So things like E.E. Doc Smith's Lensman and Skylark in Space, uh, the, the excellent radio drama show X-1, the movie Forbidden Planet, Flash Gordon, you know, Buck Rogers, things of that nature. It's a, an exciting world. The play system is pretty cool. And we're just pulling characters straight from the book today, uh, and we're also pulling the adventure straight from the book today. So any errors are my own. <laughs> and in terms of transcription, normally the errors are my own in terms of adventure writing. But, you know, at least I can blame the book a little bit this time if things are not clear. So guys, uh, one thing that we haven't talked about, you're basically space rangers, cosmic patrol, Buzz Lightyear to the rescue. So you guys would work together on a starship and everything like that, but we have not yet decided the name of your starship. Hmm. And now it's got to be something that's kind of classic, retro, you know, I don't know, Starhawk, Millennium Falcon. <laughs> <laughs> How big is our ship? Big enough for a giant robot. What, what kind of configuration is your ship? Is it like the classic cigar-shaped aluminum plated ship or is it more of a flying saucer what do you guys think i like the cigar ship idea mm-hmm. that's what i was thinking yeah. buck rogers destination void so we have so. a cigar shape stoogie in space <laughs> <laughs> um, you can always go with some of the classic like the, the odyssey yeah the odyssey the cp odyssey mm-hmm. you could always go with like the name of a like a comet or uh, a famous inventor. The Roddenberry. The Roddenberry. Ooh. I like it. <laughs> All right. So you are members of the crew CPS Roddenberry. Now let's talk a little bit more about your characters. How did you all become members of the Cosmic Patrol? Well, I myself am on a quest. You're on a quest? Yes. What is your quest, sir? My quest is to discover why my race is dying. Why the Moon Men are dying? Yes. Can you tell us a little bit more about the Moon Men? <laughs> you see, humans, younglings, yeah, babies, 
Insignificant beings. Moonmen are uh, of superior intellect. Most intelligent beings in the universe. Moonmen think they're so smart. Mm. Consequential twerp. However, as I said, our race is dying, and I'm not sure exactly why. It just we've been unable to reproduce, and we're dying off. I myself am at the uh, ripe young age of 322. And are you one of the last that was born? Yes. I think there was maybe two generations after myself. Did you decide to go out on your own, or were you sent out? I volunteered. I'm not the only moon man to go out on this quest. Okay. Now, how did you actually become a part of Cosmic Patrol? Did they did that seem like the best way to accomplish your goal? Well, it's certainly the most economical. So you have a job that lets you wander around the exactly. in space and try and find out more information. Now, tell me a little bit more about how the Moon Men live. Do they live on the far side of the of the moon? Do they live on different moons throughout the the solar system, or are they specifically on one specific moon? Well, we are now, with our dwindling numbers, strictly on Earth's moon. Okay. However, at one point in time, we did, we had uh, colonies on every moon in the solar system. Okay. At least every habitable moon. Did you live on, like, the dark side of the moon? Every part of the moon. On the surface, light side, dark side, underneath the surface. All right. Now, Isaac, you apparently think that you're... Oh, I'm way better than him. Yeah. Well, why is that? Because I'm a brilliant genius. I am the first person to create the melding of man and robot into one cohesive unit. You have the distinction of being a wunderkind. Yes. Now, is that in your own mind, or is that something that you have been told by others? It is something that is fact. Uh-huh. Therefore, yes, it is on my designation. It is on everything that I do, because I'm brilliant, and no one can dispute it. And adventures are awesome. That's why I'm here. I just want to help, because I'm awesome. You're just and sharing every, the love. Everyone needs my help. You're sharing the love. I'm sharing the love. Understood. Jeremy, tell me a little bit more about your character, the Space Marine. The Space Marine, Ken Costigan. Now, uh, why did you decide to become a Space Marine? I'm good at fighting things. <laughs> you just you just like to hammer. Right? I just like to fight. Yeah, and so any chance you get to strap on your rocket pack and blast off into space to meet the foe, that's what you love to do. Yep, I've got a weapon for every occasion. So you use a gun? Why not your mind? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about your two companions that the Cosmic Patrol has uh, assigned to your ship, the Roddenberry? They have their uses, but when it comes down to the the nitty gritty, the blood, sweat, and tears, that's that's me. Yeah, I'm the one that gets the job done. First one in, last one out. Are you originally from Earth, or did you did you grow up on a space station, or? I'm from Earth. From yeah. Earth, Buenos Aires. Because all good space marines come from Buenos Aires, at least in Starship Troopers. All right, Mike, tell me a little bit more about the Amazon culture. Uh, it's a tribal people. Bogar is actually the twin son of one of the chieftains. Their father, Solgren, uh, sent both sons out for ten years to accomplish great deeds so that when they come back, the one who accomplishes the most heroic deeds will then become the new chieftain. 
So have you been keeping an eye out on your brother? Do you do you try and stymie his attempts or No. We've had no contact. I'm not sure where he is or what he's doing from time to time when things don't go my way. I, I kind of think that maybe he had a hand in it somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was always a little more devious than I was. Is he is he the the, the thinker of the two? Yes. Uh, definitely the trickster plotter of the twins. You are a very primal individual, I would assume, being from a tribe that keeps your feet firmly on the planet side. Yeah, absolutely. He's very, I do this for Mars mentality. Yeah. What is the current state of Mars? Is the planet in... They're just now recognizing the need for the Cosmic Patrol, so for him to go off and join the Cosmic Patrol, um, there's different tunes as far as how the tribe feels about that. The older members of the tribe are not really all about that. Uh, his father, Solgren, has kind of is kind of a wait-and-see kind of guy, you know. Depends on what he'll accomplish in it. Thogar believes very strongly that it will lead to uh, great conquests and great heroic deeds, but there's still, there's still some doubt in the back of his mind whether overall the Cosmic Patrol is good for Mars or not. Sure. Uh, there's a lot of strife on Mars right now. There's a lot of new ideas that have been brought by the Earthmen mm-hmm. um, as far as the way things are structured in terms of government. How do you feel that the Earthmen have built cities on the polar caps? The tribe he's from is more equatorial, okay. so it's it's one of those things that's kind of happening off in the distance, um, but they also see the platform orbiting. Uh, it's kind of a constant reminder of the Earthmen's thumb. I'm sure other tribes have tried to take the platform down. Yeah. How'd your father feel when that happened? You said he was a wait and see kind of. He was, at the time of that, uh, he was a newer chieftain, and he actually has pioneered a lot of the cooperation between the two. Okay. A lot of other tribes and chieftains look up to Solgren for leadership, uh, and those are really big shoes to fill. Sure. So, so you kind of, you feel the shadow of your father even far out in the, in the reaches of space. Yeah. Why don't you each go ahead and tell me one thing about the last mission that the USS Roddenberry was on. We'll go ahead and start with Johnny. It was inconsequential. It was inconsequential. Why was it inconsequential? <laughs> there was no information for me to gain there. So there was nothing that met your own personal <clears throat> agenda? Precisely. What was the actual agenda of the group? How should I know? There was nothing there for me. Did you stay on the ship the whole time? Of course not. I went to see if there was any information that I could gather. Who do you think I am? An earthling? No. Obviously not. (laughs) How often do you actually listen to the mission statements that Cosmic Patrol send out to you? Cosmic Patrol is here for a specific purpose. That purpose is not mine. I'm just using them for transportation. I'm sure that really reflects on your performance reports. (laughs) Inconsequential. That might explain why the kid with the robot is a higher rank than you are, though. (laughs) That and because I'm brilliant, but we won't get into that. So, go ahead, Isaac. Tell me something about your last mission. What made that the most dangerous mission to date? Well, because for a while there, I got separated from my robot. That was not good. But... I found a way to get back to my robot and save everyone. What happened to your robot while you were away from it that's still having consequences as of today? Well, he lost his hand. It could have been a hand, but it's a claw now. So you replaced his hand with a claw. How is he adjusting to that claw? He likes it. 
He has a lot of fun, you know, clawing things. Yeah. Just like chow, chow, chow. Okay. <laughs> Jeremy, what was the hardest maneuver you had to pull to make sure that the enemy would not actually get onto the Roddenberry? Well, it was while the, the kid was freaking out that his robot was gone. Uh-huh. The moon man was nowhere to be found. He was spouting off stuff about finding some information when the cometarians, they were about to board the ship. So I took my zero-g gravity boots, sort of did this space walk on the outer part of the ship to hide from him, and then came around behind him and pretty much took all of them out single-handedly. Damn. That's not what happened. I took them all out. So there as might soon be as a, I got my robot back. There might be some conflicts in the, in the logs like the reports that were actually filed there. Well, yeah, I mean, he's a kid. They make up stories. Yeah. It's all about perspective. From my perspective, I'm the best. That's why I went and got your robot back for you. <laughs> <laughs> but while you were doing that, the Hive Queen actually gave you a proposition. What was that? She <laughs> propositioned trading my servitude for a gem of immense proportion. A gem of immense proportion? A gem proportion. of immense proportion. How Purportedly with psychic properties to it. How hard was it for you to turn that down? There was a moment of weakness because to bring something like that home and to potentially advance our tribe beyond the others and advance Mars beyond maybe even Venusian science would be something of incredulity. However, the tenets of my training were not only that we must protect the weak, but we never run from danger. And in a moment of trickery, pretended to take her up on her proposal, and then with just my axe and a pair of space pants and boots, went after the robot and got it back for him. Does the Hive Queen know that it's hidden in the robot? I do. Does the boy know it's hidden in the robot? Yes. I'm not letting anyone else know I know what I know. I don't think I knew. Go ahead and make a <laughs> go ahead and make a brains roll. It's because Amazons are muscle bags without thought. Go ahead and roll a d12, and then do you have another d12? What's your total? Eight plus three is eleven. Eleven. Yeah, you know. What are your plans for the psychic gem? I haven't quite figured that one out yet. <laughs> But you know it's in the robot. I know it's in the robot. Do you know that it's a psychic gem? I don't know if I know that or not. Do I know that? That's six. Seven. seven. Five. So you would know that. Okay, so I do know it's psychic gem. How has your robot been acting now that it has a psychic gem in the middle of its capacitor system? It's not in the capacitor system. It's in the storage right next to the capacitor system. <laughs> <laughs> So it's not behaving in any kind of interesting way because of that? No, he hasn't been acting strange. You had something to say, John? I, I was just saying, I really want to make him forget that he knows this. But do you know this? <laughs> I can read your thoughts. Can he do that? Yeah, he can. Pretty much all he can do is mental stuff. So let me ask you this, Johnny. Yes. How excited were you when you realized that this robot had a gem? that could potentially magnify your already prodigious mental abilities. Well, I was very excited because that means I could use this robot to my advantages. I could take control of it if I so wished. However, I think the best use would be to uh, let it go out on these expeditions 
and do my inquiries for me. Understood. Maybe it acts as something like a bit of a a transmitter gathering, like whatever exactly the, like the boy sees. You might be able to exactly. All right. Well, that's some interesting information about our previously on Cosmic Patrol. Now I have incoming orders. This is coming in from the platform Hades. When was the last time you all were in the platform Hades? Incoming transmission. About a year ago. If I remember correctly, that's like inner solar system. That's correct. Inexplicable signals have been detected from a comet incoming towards Sol in what appears to be a highly elliptical orbit. It's already unacceptably close. It was undetected due to its approach almost directly opposite Earth. Indications are that its perihelion will place it between Mercury and Venus during its slingshot around the Sun. While such an orbit is not unheard of, Halley's Comet falls into an almost identical pattern. It's rare enough, along with the odd signals, to require investigation. Though its relative velocity should be in excess of a quarter million kilometers an hour during the slingshot, the close pass near Platform Hades is far too dangerous for the patrol to ignore. You're transmitting new Cosmo coordinates. You will need to proceed at your rocket ship's maximum velocity to achieve intercept. The objectives, you want to intercept the comet and you want to discover what is causing the odd signals. You might have to drill down into the interior to make this discovery. And of course, with all missions, you must survive to give us this information. You are now ready to set your coordinates to correspond with what you received from Mission Control at Platform Hades. Do we have a pilot? Nope. Uh, well, are we the well, only crew on the ship? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm the smartest one here. Let's do this. We got a comet. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take tactical. I'll take weapons. <laughs> I will pilot. Yeah, right. Rather, I will navigate. navigate. <laughs> yes. I'll pilot. I've got experience being part of a robot and all. Tell me how familiar you are with the controls of the Roddenberry, Isaac. Familiar enough. I know how to change directions, velocity. Are you the one coordinates. Who, who normally does this, or is that something that might be left to somebody else? Do we normally have a pilot? That's a good question. A guide on the last mission? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, I'm the backup, so I know it pretty well. Okay. Uh, you want to go ahead and do navigation, is that correct? Yeah. Uh, Kiao? Yes, I have coordinated a most direct route to the destination. Okay. Now, you do realize that this is going to be a very hard thing to do because of, like, the, the speed at which they're... Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. All right. So go ahead and roll... Uh, what would you roll for this? It would probably be your brains, yeah. And then you would also roll a d12 on top of that because that's your base die. So it's five. Five? Uh, okay, so you actually are able to point the ship in the right direction. Now, are you actually going to relay that information onto your quote unquote pilot? Uh, yes, whoever is piloting the ship has to know which uh, vectors we need to go, which directional changes we need to make along the course. 
Okay. I'm just calculating the exact route we need to take to get there in the most efficient way. Okay. I'm pretty sure I know better. But we'll let him think that. Are you going to take your own path? No. <laughs> no. Okay. Just because I don't care enough to take my own path. I just want to get there and do stuff. And I'm rolling my brains or my intuition. I would say for this one you're rolling your brains. Okay. Ten plus... Yeah. Basically, if he fails a roll, which is a great character for Jeff. It is a great character for Jeff. <laughs> just... All right. Explain the luck thing. Okay. Because so, we didn't talk about that one. Yeah. So the way that luck works, everybody gets a specific number that is your luck roll. Now, the way that the system works is that your base die is always going to be a d12. So you would roll the d12, and then you would add a die for your, that specific skill. So, for example, your skills are going to be brawn, brains, charisma, combat, and something special. So, for example, Kial's character, because I grabbed Johnny's character sheet, the brawn would be a d4. You're yes. a wimp, basically. Your brains, that's where you're smartest, d12. Charisma, again, d4, because you're not really going to be nice to people. No. d6 for combat. And for memory manipulation, making people misremember things or remember what they, you want them to, D12. So your luck, what you do is you roll your base die and then you roll your stat die. And then if your stat die hits the same number as your luck, then you automatically succeed on the event. So Jeff, <laughs> being Jeff, is I always roll ones. a master at rolling ones. <laughs> Unintentionally. But with D6s especially. Yeah. So in this game, he chose a character whose luck was one. So it should work out for him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just remember like last one shot where I said, this character is not meant for you. <laughs> Jeff, that character is meant for you. Yes. yes. <laughs> so for example, Jeremy's luck is a nine. And I think, Mike, your character's luck is a nine as well. Nine as well, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. You rolled a... An 18. an 18. I think I rolled a 5. Yeah. Tell us how, what it's like piloting this ship. It's got to be a lot of G's that's pushing on your body. Yeah, but... That was before I modified it. Oh, really? How did you modify it? Well, I put gravitational dampeners. Throughout the whole ship? Yes. Okay. I made them work better. I'm just saying. <laughs> the two of you are going to go back and forth the entire game. Yes. Jeremy and Mike are just going to sit there and say, we'll just let them do it. <laughs> I just want to help. I understand. What was Ken going to do to help you all reach the uh, mysterious comet, the Comet of Mystery? You, you had said you were taking a specific um, station. Weapons. You're going to take weapons. And you're just going to keep an eye out. Keep an eye out for anything that needs to be blowed up. Okay. You know, like asteroids coming at us or other ships or, or small robots. Asteroids will not be involved. Space bugs. And Mike, what were you going to be doing again? What was your character? So I was going to do tactical. With Jeremy taking that position, I'm going to um, prepare uh, as much gear as we can for the expedition. Okay. As far as the spacesuits, uh, some emergency rations, things of that nature. Make sure, as best I understand it, that our gear is in calibration and working order. Okay. Definitely not a tech head, but I got through cosmic patrol boot camp. Okay. So you're going to make sure that everything is... It's ready to go if you need to, to do a zero-g walk on the asteroid. Okay. Go ahead and roll me an intuition for that. Brains? Yeah. Yeah, intuition is your special. Seven. Twelve. Twelve. Yeah. 
12. Well, there's only a need for three spacesuits because his robot acts as a spacesuit. On one person's spacesuit, you forget something very important. Who was that and what did you forget? <laughs> it was on Cal's. Cal's. Uh, I forgot to check the gravity boots. You forgot to check the gravity boots. <laughs> I'm gonna get to save you. I need some microgravity. Well, you don't need to have your your gravity turned up as much, but if they're not functional at all, then you might have a Oh, and every rock has a little bit of gravity. That's not what the boots are for. They're to, like, push you towards the rock. They attract you down to the surface. So if you don't have your gravity boots working properly, then you're not going to be able to lock onto the surface without trouble. So that'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break, and then when we come back, we will continue on and see what happens. Do you ever wonder when Spider-Man goes to the bathroom if the toilet paper sticks to his fingers? Do you ever wonder why Superman wears his underwear outside of his pants? My name is Imran. My name is Anthony. He's the jock! And he's the nerd. And we're your hosts for the Jock and Nerd Podcast, where we sometimes try to attempt to answer these questions. This is a full spoiler podcast, and we swear a lot. Check it out for awesome geek news, interviews, and comic book reviews. Visit jockandnerd.com. We are your superhero TV, movies, and comic book culture curators. Boom. Jockandnerd.com. Jockandnerd! All right. You all are seeing the comet in the view screen, mm-hmm. and you're getting closer to it, but you have to match the velocity, which means you're going to need a lot of extra juice to make sure that it can get done. I'm good for it. Okay. I will need you to make a roll. My brains or my brawn? Well, tell me how you're going to... My intuition. Tell me how you're going to eke out every last kilojoule of energy. I'm going to crank it up slowly so that it doesn't overheat. Okay. And then ask my guys to to make sure that the coolant is on on the engine's full throttle rather than, you know, the regular spray. Okay, so describe to me what is the coolant that's used in the Roddenberry, and how did you make it better than it was before? Before it was just your standard engine coolant, for a rocket ship, that is. But I added some extra extra little tidbits to to help (laughs) super cool it in dire straits. Whenever it gets really hot, they activate and they switch on and they... Super cool it. So it's like a nano coolant type? Yes, nano coolant. Oh, you mean the chemical compound that I came up with? You didn't come up with this. I invented it 500 years ago. You're only 344. I'm sorry. My father invented it 500 years ago. I perfected yeah, you it 200 years ago. Well, now he's insulting you because doesn't he know that moon men pass down their family's memories from one child to the other? It's like... Something that your father did. These short-lived beings never can understand that concept. I've come to terms with the fact that they don't understand it. Whatever. All right, go ahead and roll me brains for that. Twelve. Okay, you managed to get the coolant running properly. You're going to go ahead and juice in the nano coolant. Cranking the engine. Yep, you're cranking the engine. Kiao, what do you see? Well, I'm going to use a ship sensor to see exactly what the meteorite is made out of. Okay. Before we do any uh, exploration okay. of the rocket itself. You got what, 14? 13. 13? 
Okay, and I got a one. I need to swap out this die. Um, <laughs> for that green D20 Here it is. Oh, no, not the green. <laughs> <laughs> could be worse, could be red. I know. So, you want to know what the actual composition of... Yes. Yeah. So you're able to make that out pretty easily. What do you see? What does it look like it's made out of the most? Well, visually, it looks like it's just made out of uh, mostly ice. Mm -hmm. I mean, most comets are. Mm -hmm. However, this one does seem to have a uh, small bit of uh, trilithium into it, which could cause a massive explosion on impact. Okay. So it needs to be kept far away from any of the planets of the solar system. Well, at least any that are yeah. settled. Well, there are settlements on every planet. Some are a little bit more rugged than others. Like Mercury, that's a really... <laughs> Mostly m mining bots live on Mercury, but... Yes. You know, if I were to redirect it, I would go for Jupiter's core, actually, where the explosion would be minute. Yeah, but then you got to remember that this is going. It will ignite the, all oh, the I gases in that. the atmosphere. It'll just make the explosion uh, no. all the megatons bigger. You are incorrect on that. The explosion would be dampened by the particular gas composition of Jupiter. Think what you want, but we're not letting it get that far. Oh, it'd be too difficult to redirect it there. I just said if I could. Silly moon man. Is there anything to shoot yet? Almost. Mm. Not quite. I know it's on an interstate path, but how far out is it? Here's the thing, it's not impact that you're... It's just too close. It's too close, and it's also transmitting a, like, a signal that you don't understand. So that's part of the deal. Is We're not talking about an Armageddon event, like where it slams into the planet and causes all sorts of trouble. Um, it's the odd signals that require investigation. So yeah. that's more what we're trying to do, is trying to get close to see what's going on with the signals and... On my search, did I see any antenna of any sort? Go ahead and make me another roll for that. 14. You do see something that looks like it's trailing behind the... That's uh, not part of an actual comet tail? No, it's like trailing behind. It looks like there's something shining, glittering, looks metallic that might be trailing off of the back of the, of the comet. But it's definitely like attached to the comet itself. Yes, it's okay. definitely anchored to the comet, but it's not something that yeah. is naturally a part of the comet. Yeah, that may be the source of trilithium. That I'm sensing. That might be. Is trilithium unnatural for this kind of? Well, it's not typical for a comet. Certainly, um, it's more often found on asteroids. Mm -hmm. So the fact that it's on a comet rather than just something. Yes. It seems like the nanocoolant that is actually working too well. You notice that the engine is actually starting to freeze over. Uh -huh. I ease it off. Okay. But slow down. That's the problem. You can't ease off or you one you slow down and two the nanocoolant the particles the little nano machines that are actually causing the coolant are actually replicating within the coolant system. That shouldn't happen at all. Did you mess with this, Moon Man? Not for 200 years. You might need somebody to take over. <laughs> Did you mess with this? <laughs> I know nothing of these technologies. But your robot that is humming. The robot is humming. <laughs> <laughs> there is some kind of strange sound from within. Mm, gotta figure that out. 
<laughs> are we able to? I mean, I'm assuming we're able to see what the transmission is, not necessarily interpret it, but we're receiving the same transmission. You are getting some kind of transmission that's coming over the computers. And it's like one of those big CRT monitors on the computer. And it looks like it's just like peaks and valleys, like almost like an electrocardiogram. And then every once in a while, it's just like a burst of static. Does it appear to be in repetition? It appears to be semi-random, but you do notice, go ahead and make me a roll. Just because I'm not shooting. So the luck is way on the. Uh, the uh, this would be diet. what? Brains? Yeah. Okay, yes. Yeah, this would be brains. So I got a 16. I got a 10. I got a 17. Okay. So you notice, Ken, the bursts are actually happening in rhythm. Now, rhythm is something that's very important for every space marine because you have to be able to mark in cadence and you also have to be able to time it things exactly right so that you know right when to shoot it to produce the maximum amount of explosion. You can tell that about every 45 seconds, this strange burst of static is happening and then it's another peak and valley look to it as it's going. It's a very erratic signal and you can tell 100% why that this would be something that's concerning to the Cosmic Patrol. Can we, can we play it like this, that I'm just sitting there manning the, the weapon station? Mm-hmm. Since Rhythm is so ingrained into the Marine, he's just sitting there and all of a sudden he's just... Don't, don't, have you guys figured it out yet? Static. Waits again. Static. There's only so many times that you can prime the electro gun. You know, so and he's just queuing out and calling out when there's going to be static. Static. This is getting boring. <laughs> I mean, it's like here it comes static. Wait, static. <laughs> so you're noticing that the ship is losing power. It's dropping behind the meteorite at tens of kilometers per minute. Just gonna have to crank the engine harder and ease up as gently as I can on the coolant. Okay. Go ahead Try and... Try to balance it out. Go ahead and roll intuition for this one. How many times do we get to use our special? Whenever. Okay. Like, if it sits properly. Ten. Eleven. Eleven. Okay. Things are holding together. You're making ground again to, to get closer to the comic. But as you're moving forward, there's this tremor that's in the deck of the ship. And it doesn't feel like you can hold it for very long. Like, not long enough to actually make... You can't make match match to the comic. Yeah, match speed. Yeah, exactly. Without further damage to the ship. Uh, Guys, we're running into an issue. We're not able to catch up before this thing falls apart. Um... Why eating, not? I'm eking every ounce of power I can out of this baby. What is the radio transmission range of your robot? What do you mean? What is the radio transmission range of your robot? If I'm in it, I can go anywhere. Radio transmission. I don't know. You can communicate wherever. Then get the robot out there. Ah. The problem is you have to be in the robot for it to work. Yes. So who's going to pilot the ship? Are you going to pilot this thing, I'm man? I'm going to pilot this thing. Isaac, I will accompany you. Thank you. Ken's like, well, there's nothing here to shoot. You don't want to shoot this. 
there might be someone down there to shoot them. Are you trying to put the robot on the body of the ship to try and get close, like closer, or are you trying to rocket the robot over to the... I want to rocket the robot over to the comet. You aren't making any choices on this. You're still this several hundred kilometers away from the comet. Proper shot would not have an issue. Angles and velocities. I don't think your robot has that much <laughs> speed to it. No. Does his your issues, proposition sound like it's something that would actually work to you? The issue you're having with the engines not is that they're, they're either overheating or freezing over, correct? Yeah. Okay. Well, and the ship is going too fast for the engines to keep pushing it. We were matching speed previously. No, we weren't. We were almost matching speed. And then I started gaining on it, and then we started quaking. So... It's getting worse, by the way. Evidence around you. Very well. You have two choices. You have two choices. No. <laughs> you have two choices. Another escape pod. You can either... No, probably not. Launch your robot at it. It does not have to be manned. We just need something there to take readings and transmit directly to us. It does need to be manned. That's how it works. And missiles. Or we can blow this this comet up with a single shot. But that would lose us transmission. We have recordings of what has transmitted thus far that we can analyze. But obviously this ship is unable to maintain orbit with it. Now, there might be something that an engineer or a really smart wonderkind could do to get more speed and efficiency out of the engine if they go down to the engine. I'm just saying. The thought is, if you shoot the robot with the boy off, I understand that you want to get rid of the robot and the boy. That's, that's <laughs> the ultimate goal here. But if you do that, then they're just, you will succeed at your goal of getting rid of them because they'll shoot off and then there'll be like a bug on the windshield. The robot doesn't have the kind of velocity to outmatch a spaceship. You know what? I'm not listening to you. I'm getting my robot toolkit and my Contraterran batteries. I'm going to see if I can hook those up to the engine to help it run smoother. So someone needs to take over piloting while he goes to do this. It's not an issue. I'm familiar with the controls of this ship. Um, 16? 16. 15! Damn it! Yes! <laughs> Describe to me how you go ahead and add these batteries into the ship's propulsion system. I first have to maneuver some things around to not take away from what velocity we're already doing, but okay. I'm just rewiring a few things. Uh, and I basically just plug it in. Okay. Now, is this something that you've tried before, like in a more controlled setting? I don't need to try things before to get it right. It kind of works if you're destroying stuff, but not if you're trying to make stuff. Or if you're 11 years old. Yeah. My, my question I'm 13. Is, how battery going to help a fuel engine? Just don't worry about it. I'm the genius in this situation. You're not. You're piloting. I'm fixing the engine. Speaking of which, we do need a piloting roll from you. Alrighty. 19. Alright, uh, so you are able to keep it on course, but as you're going, something looks like it's detaching itself and hurtling from the comet towards the spaceship. Do a quick sensor read. Okay. <laughs> Ugh. Ten. Oh. oh. Nineteen! 
Okay, well, I failed the sensor reading. Yes. <laughs> so you can't tell exactly what it Too is because, because of the reflection off of the comet actually masks it from you until you are pretty much like right there on top of it. So you feel this sudden shake. You don't tell Ken in time to shoot it. Yeah. That something is happening. So that it's then, then to... the ship gets knocked off, of course. Because you checked the sensor instead of telling him to shoot at it. We didn't necessarily want to shoot it. I could have tried to follow it around, but I would have failed that too. <laughs> Isaac. Yes. So you are putting the last few touches on and you're monitoring <laughs> the, next how the batteries are actually working to make sure that the engine is powering on. And you feel this huge crash into the ship. <gasps> and it knocks you down. As you're trying to fall, like trying to stabilize yourself, you accidentally grab hold of the battery. You pull the battery out of the container as you're falling. All right, I get it hooked up as quick as I can again, and then check on the coolant nanos to okay see if I can figure out why they're replicating. Now, because you're you trying to do, to do this um, under a really physically <laughs> difficult situation, uh, should I roll my brawn? Yeah, you would go ahead and roll your brawn. Oh, five. No, you don't succeed. No. In fact, there's coolant and oil just starts spraying everywhere in the compartment because you accidentally ruptured. Does it set off an alarm? Some hoses. And yes, it does. You ruptured some hoses yeah. while you're trying to just shove it into place as quickly as you can. And with that, we're going to go ahead and call it a week. I hope you all have enjoyed part one of our Cosmic Patrol one-shot adventure. Thank you for listening to Bone Thrower's Theater. Our cast is Aaron, Jeff, Jeremy, Johnny, Mike, and Jordan. We are releasing this podcast under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license. That means that you can share the podcast, but please do not modify it or try to gain financially from it. If you would like to visit our website, you can do so at bonethrowerstheater.com. If you would like to send us an email, you can do so at bonethrowerstheater at gmail.com. Our Twitter handle is at bonethrowerstheater, and also you can look us up on Facebook and Google+. And until next time, may the bones fall ever in your favor. This has been a Nerd Circle podcast production.